0: the word unstoppable is one of my favorite words i love that word and it's so easy to define it just means you can't you can't prevent it it's going to happen and when i think about unstoppable i think about the fact that our god is unstoppable even when satan tried to stop him in the garden After God had created the first man and the woman, and he put them there, and Satan came along and offered a suggestion that led to deception, that led to their fall, God already had a plan in place of how he would rescue them. How he would not only just rescue them, but he would rescue their seed. He would rescue their whole family. He would rescue you and me. In Ephesians chapter 1, it's a very powerful passage of Scripture. I just want to read it to you if you want to turn there for a moment. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4 begins this way. It says even before he made the world God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted it this is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. Then down uh, toward the end of verse 11, it says, For He chose us in advance, and He makes everything work out according to His plan. So even though God knew what would happen to mankind, He already preconceived a plan that would bring us to Himself through His Son, Jesus Christ. God's love and God's grace and God's purpose and God's plan is unstoppable. You know, you turn a few more pages in Scripture, and you get to Genesis chapter 6, and you read there something very disturbing. It says that all mankind had become wicked and did detestable things in the sight of God. Only one man remained righteous, and that was Noah. And so God rescued that man and spared him and his family while God judged the world. And it reminds us of God's grace and God's favor. That we are faithful to him and when we seek him, he will spare us, he will protect us, he will provide for us. God's grace, God's purpose, and God's plan is unstoppable. You move a few pages on in the scriptures and you find that mankind has united to build this tower of Babel. As though to kind of put it in God's face and say, we'll build something so tall, so high, no flood will ever overtake us. We will build this tower up to the heavens. And it says that God, just like that, came down and confused their language. And so none of them could understand each other and they separated by the languages that they could understand. And God scattered them throughout the earth and God reached down and he chose a pagan by the name of Abraham and said to Abraham, if you follow me, I will make your family like the stars of the sky, like the sands of the sea. You will carry my word and more importantly, you will deliver my son who redeemed this earth. God's plan and God's purpose and God's God's grace is unstoppable. There are many nations that tried to destroy God's people, Israel. And in those moments when it looked like they were going to be totally wiped out, God would raise up men like Moses or Joshua, or God would raise up women like Deborah or like Esther, and he would spare and save that nation when it seemed like they were on the edge of extinction, God would intervene. God's grace, God's purpose, God's plan is unstoppable. And sometimes Israel, God's people, would rebel against him and they would go after idols and they would chase after the other nations and intermarry with them and bring all kinds of calamity upon themselves and totally turn their back on God. But you know, even in those times, God always had a sacred remnant that stayed faithful to him, that trusted in him, and God watched over them and blessed them and kept them because God's faith and God's grace and God's purpose are unstoppable. What God wants to do, God does. And then one day, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth, to this world. And when he was born and and, uh, grew up there in Bethlehem and was about two years of age, wicked King Herod heard about him, this king of the Jews, and tried to kill him. But God hid him and protected him in Egypt. Later on, Jesus would be in the wilderness as a young man getting ready to start his ministry. He was an unbearable, cruel wilderness, and there he went without food and without sleep for 40 days and 40 nights, and the tempter came and tried to deceive him with wealth and power and food and prestige, but Jesus kept faithful and true to his Father and his Father's word." And then Jesus found himself hanging on a cross. His enemies crucified him on the cross. And it appeared that Satan had finally won, that Satan had finally stopped God. But three days later, God rolled the stone away from that tomb and called out his son and raised him to life again. Though Satan thought he had won, what Satan discovered was like in the garden. God's plan, God's purpose, God's grace is unstoppable. Jesus spoke to his apostles and he said to them before he went back to be with the father to take this good news of God's love and God's grace that we read about there in Ephesians that we're hearing about now and spread it around the world and begin this new community called the church and men like Peter and Paul went out and they spread the gospel and as they spread the gospel they encountered persecution. And many of them died as a result of sharing that faith. But God's new community, the church, didn't become extinct at that point. It didn't die out. It actually began to thrive. Why? Because God's purpose and God's plan and God's will is unstoppable. Today, the church is now active all around the world and though there have been times when like israel others have tried to destroy us and at times when we have turned our back on god and been rebellious god has kept the faithful remnant throughout the ages to this very day and there are places all around the world right now where believers are being persecuted where believers are being threatened, where believers are losing their lives the cause of the gospel. Even here in our own country, our own government, and our own cultural uh, uh, society is, is becoming more and more oppressive toward Christians and the Christian faith. Yet despite all that, The church is thriving in some places that you wouldn't imagine like Iran and China and others. And Vietnam where it's been so suppressed. It is thriving. It might be underground, but it's thriving. Why? Because God's grace, God's purpose, and God's will is unstoppable. And you and I are moving through time and we're going to face a day when it's going to appear like God is going to lose again. Like the day Jesus hung on the cross. We're moving toward a day when Israel will be contained, if I understand prophecy correctly, and it appears that no one's going to come to their aid and God is going to intervene and spare them. Why? Because God's purpose and God's ways are unstoppable. And God is going to rescue his church. Why? Because God's purpose and God's ways and God's grace is unstoppable. Aren't you glad you're on God's side? Romans 8, 31 puts it this way. Read this with me, if you will, please. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? I hope you said that at 95th. I hope you said it here. I heard you, but I think we could say it even better. Let's try it again all together. Ready? Ready? What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? The answer to that question is nobody. Nobody can ever be against us because God is for us. And you know what? As the Compass Church, we are part of God's movement in the world We are part of that new community that his son founded. We are part of the bride of Christ. We are part of God's community. And he loves us. And God intends for his church, the Compass Church, any church, as part of his whole universal church, he intends for us to be unstoppable. It's his plan. It's his purpose. And so in 1957, 17 people got together and formed what we now know of as the Compass Church. And they met in a bank and then a small club and then finally in this building. And it was their first church on Main Street. And I tell you what, those people, those people sacrificed. Those people suffered in some personal ways. Those people sweat. They toiled in order for this church to begin They had such great faith that they eventually sold that. They went to a high school. They bought this property in 1985 and began to expand and build and move to this property. And we've gone from 17 people to over 3,000 people, all to the glory of God and his grace. Because God's purpose, God's plan, God's will is unstoppable. Amen? Amen? And there have been tens of thousands of lives that have been touched through God's grace and God's work to the Compass Church here, near, and far. And you know what? Until Jesus comes, he demands, he expects that his church is going to stay faithful, that his church is going to have momentum. How many of you like roller coasters? let me see your hands 95th campus raise them up all right how many of you were on a roller coaster this summer any i'm just curious all right many of you were many of you weren't how many of you get sick on roller coasters all right that's fair enough i love roller coasters haven't been on one for a while, but my favorite roller coasters, the ones that I enjoy the most, are the wooden roller coasters. I don't do the loopy ones, the upside down ones, the ones that spin you, you know, you know like this. I don't do that, okay? But I love the wooden roller coasters. And my favorite wooden roller coaster, it's going to age me a little bit, all right, uh, is the Beast at Kings Island near Cincinnati, Ohio. Anybody ever been to that? love that coaster. I went to it right after it first opened up. It is, it is just amazing. The drops, the curves, that dark tunnel that you go through, I get really excited about that. I can ride that every day. It's so much fun. OK, well, I think it's a lot of fun, all right? It's, it's you know, you, you, you hang on your white knuckle, they tell you to buckle up, you get that seat belt on, and you get up there, click, 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 and it feels like nothing's gonna happen, you get to the top of the hill, they let go of the brakes, especially if you're in the front car, and all of a sudden you become an unstoppable force. <laughs> and it's just fun, it's just amazing. But you know what? It's always disappointing when you've been in line for like an hour and forty-five minutes and something goes wrong. And those cars get stuck going up the hill or on a curve. You've been waiting to get on that thing. And they stop the ride. And there are people scrambling around and walking up the roller coaster tracks to try to figure out what's taking place in order for that thing to get going again. Nobody likes to wait an hour and 45 minutes and then get stuck. And not get to be on the ride. Nobody likes to actually be on those cars and be the one who you're just getting ready to go down the hill. And guess what? It stops. And you're waiting. Right? It's no fun to put your arms up in the air when the coaster stopped, is it? I mean, you put your arms up in the air because you expect a thrill ride to go down the other side. You know what? There are a lot of churches that are like, that are like stuck cars on a, on a roller coaster. They aren't going anywhere. They've unplugged. They've decided no longer to be unstoppable. And they just kind of sit there. And when they just sit there, it messes everybody else who's in line who wants to get in on the experience. And there are a lot of churches today that are like those cars stuck on the roller coaster. They're just, they're not going anywhere. And there are all these people in line, so to speak, who want a part of the God experience. And they can't because because the cars are stuck. The church is stuck. The church is unplugged from God. And it's a scary thing to me when a church unplugs from God. Because you can do that. You can go on strike. You can say, I'm, I, you can get internally focused. You can say, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I like it the way it is. <sighs> I'm going to rest. And that's such a dangerous thing because God, God is a God of momentum. God is, in, is, is relentless in his pursuit. Of people who don't know him yet. And God doesn't slow down for anybody. And years ago, Henry Blackaby wrote a a study called Experiencing God. How many of you have ever done that? If you haven't, I encourage you. You can get it. You can go online, Amazon.com and order it. Do the booklet. It's, It's so worth doing. And one of the phrases that has stood out in my mind ever since I did that study years ago is this phrase. It simply goes like this. You cannot go with God and stay where you are. You cannot go with God and stay where you are. That's what scares me. That we would attempt to go, uh, that we would attempt to stand still, that we would say, I'm just going to stay here, and God would keep on moving. So the question becomes how do we keep going with God? How do we keep moving with God? You know, we've got a a mission statement that's all about being unstoppable. To compel people and embrace the call of Jesus, come, follow me. We've got a vision statement that is unstoppable. To be an epicenter of life transformation. Spreading the hope of the gospel here, near, and far. But you can have statements on the wall. You can have them tattooed on your shoulder. Like I've got our mission statement right here. Just kidding, all right? You can have all of that in word and in print, but you, you have to actually take the action and make it happen, right? you got to step out and trust that God's going to do something. And so we're always being challenged, how do we step out and see God do something? How do we step out and continue to experience the unstoppable force of God? And so over the next two years, we have three initiatives that I want to introduce to you this weekend. The first initiative that we all have become aware of is the venue of multi sites, multi site ministry. And we have already started our first multi site. It met in a junior high school. It now has moved in the last couple of months to our 95th campus, semi permanent there, long term lease. And it's exciting what God is already doing at 95th. It's summer. They're not going to launch big grand opening for about two more weekends. And they are already running about 500. And there's a lot of joy over there. There's a lot of excitement over there with what God is doing. And, and they are so strategically located next to Niqua Valley High School. Lots and lots of, of parents of, of young children and junior hires and senior hires around there. And a witness is so needed there. And we just praise God for what he's doing. And what we want to do is we want to expand their capacity there. We want to actually provide a a, a cafe there, a Compass Cafe, that's available all week long so that as parents are driving back and forth, they can stop in, they can have coffee. We're going to put Starbucks Caribou out of business, all right? And uh, it can be done in an environment where they will be exposed to the Word of God. They'll be exposed to Christian music, to Christian fellowship. They'll look in and see the worship center and wonder what's going on here and hopefully be drawn in. And God is doing some powerful things over there. There's a preschool that meets there right now. Uh, It may be leaving in a year. I hope we can gobble up that space and use it for God's glory. Let me just give you a taste. Pastor Rich, our campus pastor, shared a story with me of a young couple who started attending there just recently. He says, a few weeks ago, I met a young couple who had previously attended a different kind of church in the area for many years. Their kids were younger elementary age, and they weren't enjoying their Sunday experience at all. This couple was raised in strict homes and strict schools, and even went to very strict colleges. This past summer, they signed their kids up for Kids Camp and returned on the Sunday following for our showcase and after party. I had a chance to meet and talk with them then. We even asked them to pitch in with some of the cleanup at the end of the party to which they happily helped out. We like to get our guests very involved. All right? They have been with us since that Sunday, even though they will admit that it is much different than the church environment they are used to. When I asked them why they had felt compelled to keep coming, The woman told me that she and her husband were being challenged by the messages, but most importantly, their kids love the Sunday programs. She said that every Sunday morning when they feel torn about where they should go that day, her youngest bounds into the bedroom and excitedly jumps up and down asking, are we going to the fun church today? I love that. We're going to change the name of our church to the fun church. They are so thrilled that their kids want to go to church that they have made this their new church home. I'm telling you what, when you reach the kids, you reach the community, you change the community. And it's so important in our day to present something that's going to challenge those kids. And so praise God for what He's doing there. And, you know, we not only want to have a multi site there, we want to go east with a multi site. And so that's why we've brought. Brett Lilly and his wife Star on board with their family. And Brett has already begun recruiting people that will go with him to the east. We're already looking for property, but this time we don't want to meet in a school. We'd like to start out, as we've learned from 95th, and thank you 95th for teaching us these lessons and sacrificing. We want to start out in a similar kind of facility where they can already be resident there. Okay, so the energy is not focused on setting up and tearing down all the time. It can be focused on ministry and getting it done and, and getting it accomplished. But you know what I've learned in this whole process? When you start thinking about the third site, you also have to start thinking about the fourth site. And so we want to raise enough money in the next two years to finish what 95th needs, to help the third campus east of here launch, and to have seed money ready for that fourth campus pastor, for that ministry to take place. And we figure it's going to cost us about a million dollars to make all of that happen. That is just pocket change in God's hands, right? Yeah, right? Yeah. It is in God's hands. See, God is never in an economic slump, is he? Right? He's never in an economic slump. Second initiative that we want to be all about, and that is here at our Hobson campus. You know, we've kind of neglected some things here uh, recently in order to do our multi sighting and some of the other initiatives that we've had. And there's so many kids that need to be reached around this community. And so now we're excited about the fact that God has uh, brought Carrie to us to help us now move toward the future. We believe that it's time for us to take our entire children's ring and bring it up to grade. Bring it up to scale to where it can be a tool that God really uses in a profound way. We want this to be a destination for the families who live around us. We want to have a cafe here as well, a compass cafe that operates, you know, six days a week. We want people to be able to come in, drop their kids off, have their kids in programs, stay, play, talk, Be exposed to a godly environment. Wonder about this place called the Compass Church. Show up on a weekend and discover Christ as a result of it. But there's a lot of work that's going to have to be done to do what we want to over there and to get the buildings to match and the infrastructure and all kinds of things that are behind walls and then to bring it all up to speed and introduce the the slides for the kids and the, the stage and the program that's going to take place over there. It's going to make me wish I was a kid again. All right, and it's going to cost us probably between four and five million dollars to do that. But God, you know, in God's hands, that is just pocket change, right? Amen. Okay, you're getting the, you're getting the hang of it. I hope ninety fifth. I'd like to hear you guys as well. All right, but you know what? What price do you put on a child? I want you to watch this video. You say, "Oh, you're manipulating me now." Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I'm not ashamed to tell you because. Here's what God's doing. This comes from the Iwana program here at the Compass Church on the Hobson campus that meets on Wednesdays. They're about ready to start up again. And so here's a, a shameless plug. If you aren't involved, that would be a great place to get involved. But listen to this kid. This is what God's doing through the Compass Church. Matthew, Mike, John time, actually, sure it's like the Corinthians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Galatians, 1 and 2, Thessalonians, 1 and Second 2, 3, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James, Peter, 1 and 2, Peter, 1 and 2, John, All right. I mean, there's this little girl who's reciting the entire New Testament. How many of you could do that right now? Come right up on stage and recite the entire New Testament. All right? You know what? The Bible tells us, get the Word of God into people's hearts. If you get it into the hearts of kids, it stays there. It makes a difference. And I just, I so appreciate what, what Carrie said to us, you know, here at the Hobson campus. And I know this is true of, of all our campuses. We want the Word of God to get into our kids' lives. To protect them, to help them deal with this culture. You don't want to miss the next sermon series that starts next weekend when we talk about Unprotected sex. It's a play on words there. We want to tell you how to really protect your kids against the cultural assault on them, sexually speaking. And on our marriages and on our families. You don't want to miss that series. And it all starts with getting the truth between our ears. See, if I've got the truth between my ears, if I know what the truth is, then I can see what is a lie and I can stay away from it or I can refute it. But when I let the culture get between my ears and I start to believe what the culture says, that's when I get in serious trouble. And so we want to start with our kids when they're so very young. We have a third initiative. And our third initiative is our global initiative. You know, God's doing amazing things around the world and in Southeast Asia especially where it's been closed for so long. There are people who are writing and saying, theologians who are writing and saying that God is leaving the West and he's moving to the East. Remember, you cannot stay where you are and go with God. And a lot of us are shutting down or becoming much like Europe, turning our back against God. And God's moving to the East and people are are craving the gospel over there. And there's so few churches, we want to plant 50 churches in the next five years amongst Buddhists, amongst Hindus, amongst uh, those you know, who follow Muhammad and, and Islam and other kinds of religions. God is doing amazing things there. We want to start a training center where our partners can come on a regular basis to receive the training and the encouragement. We want to be part of what God is doing there. And we'd like to raise $500,000 in order to support those 50 churches over the next five years. Create that training center and allow us to continue to do some of the innovative things that we've been doing. Bala, one of our missionaries, shared here a couple of weekends ago how after the training that I did in Indonesia by God's grace back in May, one of the pastors, and you have to understand how hard it is for these pastors, one of the pastors witnessed to his Muslim neighbor and led that whole family to faith in Christ. I tell you, in a place like Indonesia, that not only takes courage, that could cost you your life. And he was so excited that what we talked about could actually happen. And you know what? You and I are part, by God's grace, of of seeing that take place. Now, you put all those numbers together, and in order to make this happen over the next couple of years, we need to raise about $7 million dollars we have a budget of over five million, so seven million is not that big a stretch. But I know, I know about the economy. I know how difficult things are. But if everybody plays their part, there's an opportunity to do this. If you know, we have 1,100 giving partners at the Compass Church. If if every giving partner said, "I'm going to give sixty dollars more a week," we have it all raised in two years without a problem. So, you know, when you start breaking it down, when you start thinking about, well, I could give up my Starbucks and I could give, you know, I could maybe give this up and I really don't need cable and, you know, I can cut my own lawn and, you know, we start doing all these things You say, you know what, Pastor, I'm excited about this, but I got to tell you, I don't have a job right now. You know what? We're here to help you and encourage you and pray with you to find work. I know a lot of folks are in hardship in that way, but your prayers matter. Your service matters. A dime matters as much as a million dollars when it's given from a sacrificial heart, right? When it's given from a sacrificial heart. So the issue isn't what size is your gift. The question is going to be in all of our lives what size is our faith and what will we trust God for? I mean, God's hands, in God's hands, it's just pocket change. In our hands, it can seem overwhelming. And so this fall, in November, we're going we're gonna to be calling you, actually throughout the fall, we're going to be calling you to begin to pray and think about this. In November, we're going to come together and we're going to say, okay, what does God want to do through us? I know you've got questions. I know you want to see drawings and you want to hear more about this. And believe me, we're going to give you plenty of opportunity to ask your questions and to uh, give your input as we move through the fall. But you know what? Right now, I just, I just want you to buckle up, all right? Because we are in for an amazing ride to see what God is going to do. And it begins by asking you to be prayerful about this. As you think about being prayerful, I just want to share a couple of last things with you. You know, our kids have a prayer wall here at the Hobson campus, and I I have some excerpts from the prayer wall. And I just want you to look at the simplicity and the heart of kids' prayers. Here's one Dear Lord, please help me to get good grades. Please help me to understand you better and to read my Bible. Lord, give me the power to hold my anger inside me. All right, so this is like fifth grade and under, all right? Wow, honest, sincere prayer. That could be any one of our prayers, right? How about this one? Child writes, Jesus loves us, and he is with me when I am sleeping and awake. Help me. You helped me in school. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. Here's another prayer. My papa John will get better from cancer, and thank you for his arm and that it got better. I pray that Daddy will get a job. Here's another prayer. Dear Lord, for my friend, uh, I pray for Sam to know about God and Jesus, because at school, he said that God is a bad person. Dear Lord Jesus, another prayer. Please touch Auntie's heart and help her accept you into her heart, and please strengthen Daddy. Please forgive my sins. Here's another one. You are the only God. No one should worship other gods. You made my favorite dog a husky. Here's another one. I hope my dad comes to see me. Here's another one. I want everybody to have a friend. And even though we don't know a lot of things, you are always a friend. Here's another one. Dear God, thank you for being on the cross for me. And finally, our kids wrote some letters to missionaries. Here's an excerpt from one child's letter I hope you will see your family again after being a missionary. I also hope you have enough food and water. I've heard about you, and you are doing well. I hope your groups get through the Old Testament, and your groups can then read the Bible and learn more about God. Keep it up. And when I grow up, I might be a missionary myself so other people can learn about God. You're doing very well to me. Let's pray. Father God, we humble ourselves before you this weekend, and you have put before us a daunting, almost overwhelming vision, oh God, to continue the unstoppable force of the gospel here near and far. Father, anything worthwhile is costly. It costs time. It costs energy and talents. And yes, Lord, it costs our resources. Father, they're the things that we hold most dear, most sacred Is our our money, our finances, we confess that and admit it. I confess and admit it to you in my own life. But God, you ask us oftentimes to be willing to give up and to trust you in order, God, that you might demonstrate your glory and praise and honor. Father, as we begin to pray about this, as we begin to think about what you want to do in the future, Lord, I just pray that you will show us, just show us what our part is. And God, as we move forward, I pray that you'll open doors. pray that you'll defeat our spiritual enemies, Lord, the unseen forces that want to work against you, that want to stop your church. God, let us see you move forward. Let Let us finish these next two years with abounding praise because you have done what no man could do, in spite, in spite of where we are in our economy, in spite of where we are in our culture, Father, there are boys and girls and men and women who need you. and You've asked us to provide that answer in Jesus' name.